And now you're listening to Perkins and Spiegel on 670 to score. We added Japanese strikeout king, Shota Imiyanga, who introduced himself to come. Who just introduced himself. Just introduced himself to Cub fans. Cubby. I was saying Boo Earns. That is Tom Ricketts being chanted on the stage, trying to talk about uh, Imanaga with Cody, and him being like, oh, you saying Cubby? Cubby. Cubby. No. <laughs> That's not what they were doing? No, they're saying Cody. Yeah. Um, there, there was there was a lot of Cody Bellinger chatter and activity around the convention, wasn't there, Danny? Like everybody, all over the joint. It was uh, certainly the thing that I was asked the most by Cubs fans. Like I was telling Steph about what the day is like out there, uh-huh. and it's weird. Like you know, show up at noon on the air at two, off the air at six forty-five, but. It's basically nonstop conversation before the show, sometimes with fans, sometimes with, like, Cubs executives, people in the industry, whatever. And then every time you hit a commercial break, you're talking to someone. There's no search your phone, relax. Not that I'm saying it's hard, but it's just, like, you're instead of being on for four hours with commercial breaks, it's like mm-hmm. you're actually on for seven hours because you're just constantly talking to people, which is great. It's fun. It's amazing to meet fans and listeners and mob members and all that stuff. But I would say, like, without a close second, the thing that was asked the most was, hey, you think they're bringing back Bellinger? Right. And, and, and we, we did it jokingly with Carter Hawkins. Like, hey, is uh, Cody Bellinger in a hotel room upstairs? Is yeah. he and he's like, we don't do surprises. Yeah. That's not me and Jed. That's not our thing. But, like, everybody talked about him. Um, I know that Dansby Swanson talked about him uh, at, at, at one point. Ian Happ talked about him. Like, all the players were clearly – Sending love towards Cody Bellinger. Before we get to next year, we got to re-sign Belly. So that's all I'm going to say. Yeah, you know, and and it's it's funny because like I heard that a while ago at the beginning of the offseason. Like, man, I'd be sending Bellinger love if you wanted to sign him, if you wanted to get him because Scott Boris is doing his thing. He's stretching it out. He's trying to come up with the superstar contract, the mega contract. You know, I think Chicago got the comforts of a full belly. I'm super (laughs) hesitant to invest in Bellinger long-term for reasons that you and I talked about towards the end of the season. Remember, like, I I loved his season, and I see the immense value that he brought. I saw the changes he made with two strikes and with his approach, valuable and, and I thought that stuff was contagious all throughout the lineup. It's a great, great showing. But then the adjustments came, and they were, the adjustments were fastballs. It was heat. Challenge Bellinger with heat, and the whole league can throw heat. And so here you are at this point, and you got to figure out what to do. It, theoretically, Pete Crow Armstrong should eventually be the center fielder, and then you're paying a lot for first base at Bellinger, and you want to stay malleable, and here's Boris trying to get so much. But now here they are. And I think I'd go out of my comfort zone to make sure that Bellinger gets here. Like I, I just, I just, I, so I, I, I struggle with. Can we define that? Six but, years at one fifty. Okay, that was okay. So that's the number that I said 
three months ago, right? And, when and, we and, talked and, about and, this. And that's what I've still held on to. Okay. And, I've, and I haven't liked the idea of having to give him 200 mil, 210 mil, 220 over eight years or something like that. I mean, this is, it, that, it, that scares me. But now here we are, and the options are dwindling, and the teammates so clearly want him badly. The fans want him badly. You have missed out on some other things. So I think it's an interesting moment, and, I'm, I, and I wonder how the front office is feeling. I think they're plying, trying to play chicken with Scott Boris, and the longer this goes, the less they can afford to. I mean, if they give him seven at 180, that's the biggest signing in, in Cubs history. That's bigger than Dansby by $3 million, you know? Well, so mm-hmm. I, I'm wondering how far out of the comfort zone the Cubs will be willing to go, and I'm wondering how far out of the comfort zone I should be willing to go on Cody Bellinger. I don't think what the fans say should matter even 1%, and I don't think what the players say should matter much more than 5 or 10%. Just like Chase Daniel said about Justin Fields v. Caleb Williams. Mm-hmm. Players will get over it. It's a business. It's a business. We just saw what they did to David Ross. Yeah. He's a popular dude in that clubhouse. He's a all-time cub. Right. Like, but, you know, but he, for sure. So, so, so you know what I mean? Like I like the players are doing what players are supposed to do. Sticking up for their friend and their teammate. And in a binary world, because it's not their money, Cody Bellinger, if he's on the team, they're better. If he's not on the team, they're worse. They're already on the team. They would like to be better, so therefore they want Cody Bellinger. That isn't Jed Hoyer's job. Jed Hoyer's job is to decide whether or not the rate at which he would have to pay Cody Bellinger to have him back on the team makes them better enough to be worth that amount that he puts out. That's not what Dansby Swanson and Ian Happ have to consider. But should Jed consider how it, it, it like how they're going to get better without him? Because that's the other thing. Just from the baseball perspective, from enough power on the offense, from enough uh, enough upside in the lineup, they're now at a point where if they don't get him. You know, where is it going to come from? It might have to be trade. Which so, is fine. Because you can't deliver a worse team um, in terms of offensive possibilities to the beginning of spring training. I, I don't think you can unless Bellinger's still hanging out there and you're still playing this game of chicken and you're going to try and make that like your final, your final thing come, come spring training time. I think you need to deliver to this team that believes they're pretty good and going somewhere a, a roster that is is as good or shows the potential to be even better. And I don't know how many baseball options there are that are better than Bellinger right now. It might be that I have to you have to be willing to overpay for the sake of it being the best baseball option now too. Well, so they said that the guy they traded for with the Dodgers, right? Bush, the PCL MVP and all that. Yeah, Michael Bush. Michael Bush, pr- primarily going to be first base. Primarily going to be first base. Can oh. play some third, can play a little second, very much like a Max Muncy type. Okay, yeah. but then, I mean, Nico Horner is going to play 90% of the innings at second base. For sure. So second, sure. second base is uh, in case of emergency break glass type of situation. So first and third and yeah. a little DH with right. some corner outfield maybe in the possibilities. Okay. 
this comes back to Pete Crow Armstrong in a way, man. If Bush is your first baseman and PCA is your center fielder, and I know mm. he's not going to be gifted and birthrighted the center field job, but he had, what, 14 at-bats last year, mostly yeah. in tough situations against high-leverage relievers? Like That's not who he is offensively. It's not what he was in the minor leagues. They are. There's no word that they're going to trade him away. If you just traded for the first baseman and you have the best guy in your system, if you consider PCA still a prospect, because he basically is, as a center fielder, I understand the positional versatility of Bellinger is nice, and he was unbelievable offensively last year, Mm -hmm. but those are two young guys with high offensive upside, and at least in PCA's case, as good, if not even better, defense uh, than, than Bellinger for way, way, way cheaper. Personally, I don't think... Like, they they need to upgrade offensively if they lose Bellinger, but that strikes me as more third-base DH mm-hmm. than $180 million to Cody Bellinger and then spend the money on where is a front-line starting pitcher? Yeah. I, I, I love Steele. You know that. Bet him for Cy Young last year. Respect the hell out of him. There's a steep drop-off after Justin Steele in this starting rotation based on what I've seen them do in a Cubs uniform because I don't think Kyle Hendricks at this stage of his career is a number two. Mm. You know what they, I mean? Like, yeah, no, so th- absolutely. They could, question they, mark, tie They could move that mark. money. They could move that money towards Jordan Montgomery or move that money towards Blake Snell. And obviously if there's a trade and you're trading for somebody who's making a salary for a couple of years, you can, you can deal with that as well. And, and listen, I've been, but, but I everything I, you said about center field and first base in terms of PCA. And if it's not Michael Bush, it could be somebody else. And they don't want to overpay for that. That's why they're playing this game of chicken with Boris. And I, I support the game of chicken. It's I'm getting uncomfortable um, with the options dwindling. I wonder if they're getting uncomfortable. And it's clear that their team wants Bellinger back. And maybe they know this because they've talked to Bellinger as well. And they know that he wants to come back. And he doesn't really have a ton of other options. Jed or they being the players? They being the players who were talking about this. And, and, and saying it. Maybe they know that the fit is so good and that Cody does want to come back. He's just waiting to get something that he thinks is fair. And the extortionist is, is out there doing his job. And he's doing it well, as he always does. Like, the message to Cody Bellinger clearly from the Cubs players felt clear, and that's, we love you and we want you. And I'm sure he's human and he needs to be loved. And you, you wonder if if that's the front office, if they're a part of that message with the players or, or not. Because I didn't hear it from Jed or Carter, really, that, you know, and well, they're not quite as tip, overt. They're not going to tip that, right? right. That, 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 that's, that's not their job. Like, this, this is the type of thing where, like, what these guys say, they say what they can. Jed and Carter can't give up, can't tell the fans what they want because the fans want them signed. The players mm-hmm. want them signed. Fans can say it. Players can say it. Jed and Carter can't because if they say it, they lose all leverage with the king of leverage, Scott Boris. So I guess like what Jed Hoyer said, though, in the press conference was we are in the fifth inning of our offseason. So why am I worried? Mm -hmm. Like this isn't the team, whether that includes Bellinger or it doesn't. And obviously, if Bellinger comes back, that's a great thing. He's a good player. He's 28 years old. He's incredibly talented. But they're not done. 
Like, they just they, – they flatly are not done. You read all these pieces from Ken Rosenthal or Passan or Jim Bowden, it's like the, the worst-kept secret is that the Cubs are going to be the most active team the rest of the offseason. There's not that many free agents available. So that probably means trades. And they can do it again at the deadline to add to, add to this team. So I guess I just – like, Bellinger to me – was very impressive last year. They mm-hmm. got exactly what they wanted out of him. But it was a one-year, no-risk deal where he greatly outperformed his contract. If you sign him to a seven-year deal, do you think you're getting a year like last year, four of the seven years? It's hard to imagine because what made it feel so valuable was the great defense and center, which by then – you'll be kind of hoping is is PCA growing into that job. And then at first base, we have seen what they think of value at first base by the way they treated Anthony Rizzo's contract situation. And then that was validated. That was validated by the rest of the league in what Anthony Rizzo was was set to get. I just it, It's still percolating all that Bellinger talk, all that want, all that love, and and it's clear that the front office doesn't feel it in exactly the same way, and we'll see how we'll see how this how how this ends up playing out. There's a lot of time. There's just not a lot of bats left. Not a ton of bats. Yeah, left. There's not a ton of bats for pure free agents. There, there's a limitless number of bats when you have a top five farm system mm-hmm. and some top prospects who are blocked. There's a, there's a, it's an unlimited number. We just don't know the names. So it's so, so it's harder to speculate as to who is available to be traded from the Colorado Rockies. You by know? the way, you're getting a lot of support on the car. By the way, do you see a lot of people coming oh. to your defense? Whether it's because of Shane's, um, you know, vicious attack, or whether it's just because of the truth of the matter, which is deserving of a vicious attack. But there's a lot of people saying, you know, Danny, at least you made three trips, you made it happen, you facilitated it. And your brutal honesty is is admirable. Things I, like that. I, well, listen, I I try, I try to be brutally honest. Um, I just I'll know. I'll always know that I didn't assemble the, the toy. And I will. I want to be very clear about this. If we would have paid for someone else to assemble the toy on the front end, I'd be proud of myself. I'd be like, yeah, this is why I work hard. So to to buy the toy and assemble the toy, why it's going to taunt me. Uh-huh. is because I bought the toy, wasted seven hours of my life, and did not complete the mission, and then ultimately had to pay for it in the first place. That's the issue. But can we just go around the diamond real quick for the Cubs? Sure. Left field is locked in, yes? Left field is locked in at Ian Happ. Yes, sir. Right, right field is locked in. At Seiya Suzuki. Second base locked in? At Nico Horner, yes, sir. Shortstop locked in. For Dansby Swanson, yes. Okay. So center field, first, third, catcher, DH? Catcher is locked in with Jan Gomes and Miguel Amaya, who's the first name that Carter Hawkins brought up to us when we asked about people who could maybe make a leap. We just don't know exactly how that breakdown is going to go, right? Because we have names for the other positions. We just don't know exactly how the breakdown is going to go. But sure, okay, catcher is locked in in terms of we know the names there. Uh, right now, between third base and first base and DH, you're looking at Morell and Michael Bush and Nick Madrigal and Patrick Wisdom. So there is a 
Reese Hoskins, Matt Chapman type of update. I know you don't love Chapman. I understand. I understand that. But mm-hmm. I. But I'm saying like that is where the upgrade with the bat feels like it could come into play. Yes. Absolutely. Justin Turner is a short-term third base option as a free agent bat. And there's there's other, you know, older dudes along those lines. But yes, third base, first base, DH. Hoskins, you know, Hoskins makes a lot of sense, but that's if you're willing to let Michael Bush play a lot of third base. And everything they said out of the convention was first base. Right, exactly. Which so we talked about it when the trade happened seemed like it made Hoskins less mm-hmm. likely. So because there's other first base options, there's Brandon Belt, who's a lefty bat who can still absolutely hit at age 36 on a short term. Joey Votto wants to play somewhere, and the Cubs are referenced as one of those at age 40. But if Bush is going to play first, and you know, it, it it seems to me that we're looking at like are you feeling okay about Justin Turner with Morell as your backup center fielder? For PCA and getting at bats that way, Morel, you know that's still Morel, not adding enough. Morell is the backup center fielder, and no, though no, I think yeah, it's not not adding up. I, I think that there's a big trade coming. Every time we do this exercise, I think big trade coming, big things coming, big trade coming. Mm-hmm. That's what I think. It's the it's what makes the most sense, man. It's what makes the most sense. I, I'm not going to be able to give you the name. I don't I don't know, but I think we, we could deductive reasoning. We could say trade. For a bat who could play third is is like something that seems to make a decent amount of sense. Or maybe pure DH. Pete Alonzo. We talked about that. You know, I know they the Mets keep saying that he's gonna be back. I understand yeah. that. But pure DH, middle of the order bat, one year deal. That sort of thing. J.D. Martinez is a pure DH who can absolutely still rake. Also a Boris client. Yep. It's it, it's amazing how many of them there are standing in the way. But but yeah, there's they need at least two major league power bats, and Bellinger could be one of them. And it's just we'll see as that game of chicken goes on what they'd be willing to do. I think I'd be willing to pay out of my comfort zone. And, and and just kind of deal with it. So whether that means 180, whether it means 200, whether it means 210. Oh my gosh, you're you're an agent's dream. I know. The, the, I know. the players and the fans at the convention said they wanted my guy. I'm willing to go from 150 to 210. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Oh my God, Scott Boris would love to play poker with you. That's amazing. Yep, I'm available, Scott. <laughs> Give me a call. Welcome me to the game. This guy plays two five. That's so good. That's so good. Uh. There's a team, because Justin Fields is still the Bears quarterback. How he factors into these offensive coordinator names and the rest of the league, there's a specific team we need to examine next on the score. The Parkinson Spiegel Show. I love this. This is my type of party. I love this. Afternoons on the score. And anytime you get down here, you have to be alert for Justin Fields' yeah. legs. They can be lethal in the red zone. Trent Taylor in motion. There, there is Fields in his legs. Dances outside. So Justin Fields is still QB1 until further notice. I think 
the more people learn about Caleb Williams now that he's declared for the draft and all of that, it seems like the majority of analysts are going to start saying that Caleb will be a bear, but we've got a long way to go uh, until we get there. And the offensive coordinator search, I think a lot of us are trying to say, oh, is that a Fields guy? Is that a, uh, a Caleb guy? Whatever the case may be. But what Ryan Poles would do with Justin Fields is worth discussing. Tanny has had this audio for us for since the end of the regular season. And because of something that Mel Kuyper said, it's worth circling around to. And we'll get to Kuyper in a second. This is the Atlanta Falcons season-ending press conference. And they just interviewed Bill Belichick for their head coaching job. They have no quarterback. They have the eighth pick in the draft. And Justin Fields is from Georgia. What are you laughing at? They have no quarterback. I mean, imagine if you're Desmond Ritter. You're like, wait, wait a minute. I play quarterback. They have no quarterback to speak of. They have have, have no quarterback that would be a problem for Justin Fields. You're like Taylor Heineke, and you're like, I exist. What are you doing, man? I'm a carbon-based life form. I I throw balls. I identify as a quarterback. So this is... Arthur Blank. What the hell? Is Arthur Blank, uh, their owner, and Rich McKay, their president of football, at their season-ending press conference, when they're talking about the position, be thinking of Justin Fields and if a homecoming would be a good fit. You mentioned he didn't lose the locker room. So was his downfall putting all his eggs in the Desmond Ritter basket, or at one point did he ask to get another quarterback? And if so, who prevented that? Uh, so Okay, so let's go to the quarterback discussion. I think we like the direction of the team and of the franchise, but I think we need results, and we need results sooner rather than later, and we felt like that was what we needed. That's what we needed to do right now to make that happen. There was never a capital N-E-V-E-R. Still like, I think I could still spell, at least that word I can. I think you're right. Uh, there, there was never any discussion about any other quarterback path other than the one that Coach Smith and Terry uh, and we supported, but they chose to take. This is not to def- defend um, either Taylor uh, or Dez, but our quarterback play this year was clearly deficient. But quarterback play includes, you know, scheme, play calling, other players. You know, there's a lot of things that go into what makes a quarterback successful or not. Just remind everybody who may be aware of this or not, but, I mean, last 20 years in the Super Bowl has never been a quarterback who's been more than 70% of a team's cap. Having the right quarterback in the NFL is a really big deal. It doesn't mean you have to have necessarily the top two or three or four or five. You'd like to be in that, in that uh, position, but, you know, you want to have a quarterback who's going to be in a certainly top half, top quartile of the league and somebody who's going to give you a chance to win. And, you know, Rich can give you the numbers better than I can. But, you know, being able to score points in this league is important. Uh, you got to be able to defend, too. But being able to score points in this league is, is really important. You've got a uh, pretty rich quarterback, potentially rich quarterback uh, draft this year. Um, there probably be some quarterbacks who may be available in free agency or by trade, et cetera, as well. So I think to a new head coach, I think that's an opportunity. Yeah. There's it, a lot it, there that would point at fields, right? I think so. Uh, I, I, I think so. The, 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 he references the trades there at the end, and he also references the percentage on the cap of teams that 
win the Super Bowl. Saying you uh, don't have to have a top five quarterback, but you'd certainly like it to be top half or top quartile. Right. Right, so, which is like a world, you know, top quartile maybe not, but top half for sure that you could see Justin playing himself into. Mm. But logically, I mean, you go for the young quarterback and you hope that he grows into it and then you can define the terms, et cetera. And well, while Justin's he's cheap not old. on the front. No, he's not. He's not old. Um, Justin's going to be in a, a really interesting fit for a, a couple of teams. And I think Atlanta is absolutely one of them. There's nothing in there that dissuades it um, at all. It's a team that, you know, a team that doesn't have one of those top two, three, or four picks doesn't feel like burning um, assets to move up there into that stratosphere and might feel like they're pretty good otherwise. Like they've got some pieces that make them competition-worthy right away with a quarterback who can come in and play. I mean, absolutely. Like They feel young, cheap, good wide receiver, young, cheap, good tight end, young, cheap, good running back who also is a wide receiver. They f- play in a dome. All three guys are very fast. Like they, they, they feel like they're a quarterback away from having an explosive offense that's young and cheap and can grow together and be together for their 20s, you know, like their, their athletic prime, which is why their draft approach has been so interesting. Like they've, dra- they've done everything except invest a high asset in the quarterback, uh, and they just – haven't unlocked it because they've been terrible at quarterback. Like they haven't even gotten mediocre at quarterback. They've just gotten bad and inconsistent. Can, can I say I love that Arthur Blank, when it comes time to talk about like the offensive numbers and scoring points, is like you can ask Rich. I'm sure he's got those numbers. But when it came time for the salary cap percentage, mm-hmm. that one he had on lockdown. Yes, like he was ready to go with, with that one. He also was much. like playing defense is nice. Scoring points, it really matters. So I was I, I was aligned with him there. Uh, it also sounds like they want a known commodity as well. Like it sounds like being at eight where they are in the draft, like they maybe don't want to roll the dice on a guy that's not necessarily one of the top three QBs in their class. You know? Yeah. Mm. Well, and that's and that's the thing. Like, yeah, because because where are you when you draft Will Levis and then you decide to play Will Levis and now you see flashes and the very next year you're like, is that our guy? What are we doing here? Like you you really got a hit on somebody. Or else you're you're given time to something that's only going to make you go back to the well, right? It, well, and that's, I mean, Fields ended up being better than two guys taken in front of him, right? Better than Trey Lance, obviously. Better than Zach Wilson, obviously. Um, some people think we'll still be better than Trevor Lawrence. I don't, but some people do. Um, so it is a teams like to draft. There's uncertainty at all of it, and this year maybe it'll be different, but. In general, Tanny's right. If you feel like, oh, I'm settling for the fourth quarterback in a class as opposed to this guy's a known commodity, I'll go out and take a swing on him. Uh, Mel Kuyper's out of his mind, though, right, with, well, his, with the idea that he floated about fields? Let's, let, let, let's hear. I, I think so, but let's hear it. You think about Atlanta. I'm, I'm thinking about Justin Fields here. If, if, that, if he's going to be traded, I'm going to be the first one into the mix here, the Atlanta Falcons. He's high school. Think about going to Georgia before he went to Ohio State. And he showed this year he can be an outstanding quarterback. And that's a tough decision for Chicago to make because Fields played so well. Something about that eighth pick. Michael Penix Jr., Justin Fields. Come on. I mean, yeah, let's face it. Justin Fields would be the guy at eight. So you have to think about that. If you, st- if you don't make that move, okay, 
Do you take Michael Penix Jr. here? Hey, if you would have played against Michigan like you did against Texas, you're taking him. But it didn't happen, okay? So now you're thinking, okay, is there a pass rusher? No, there is not at that particular point to take. Is there somebody in the second? Is there a receiver opposite Drake London? Yeah, you've gone the offensive skill route time in and time out, Phil. It seems like, are we ever going to end that? I mean, I love B. John Robinson, love Drake London, love Pitts, love all. But now we got to get the quarterback. The quarterback is critical, and certainly to me, Justin Fields is who I'm talking to the Bears about that opportunity there because I'm a heck of a lot better off, I think, going that route than drafting that fourth quarterback. So Justin Fields is on my mind here with the Atlanta Falcons. When you're saying, okay, the eighth pick overall for Justin Fields, I wouldn't do it. And I'd say, I understand you got to commit a lot of money to Justin Fields, but he's shown great promise without having a receiver opposite more, without having an offensive line. Obviously, you think about Justin Fields, is he perfect? No. Holds the ball a little too long, locks on the primary guy will miss some of those gimmies at times but the bottom line is dual threat capability the toughness the competitiveness that locker room believes in Justin Fields in Chicago so I think Atlanta would, would as well so I think when you look at the eighth pick overall if I'm the Falcons I don't think it's too steep a price Chicago's got a Caleb Williams is their pick if, you can, if you're not giving up the eighth pick to get Justin Fields or Atlanta, why in the world would Chicago you know, keep Justin Fields and pass on Kayla Williams? So I think to me, if I'm Atlanta, I would be happy to try to do what, – what, what's your other option? I mean, what are you doing at quarterback if it's not Justin Fields? There's no other quarterback in this draft that you're going to be uh, really excited about at eight. Trading down maybe and looking at Michael Penix Jr. possibly there with a trade down, but certainly not at eight. Oh, man. He's talking himself into some troubled territories there. And this comes from a guy who's talked himself into some sloppy take territories as recently as, you know, this hour. I don't think. <laughs> I Seriously, he's not. He doesn't start that, Danny, by saying I would trade the number eight pick for Justin Fields because he says, would you rather have Justin Fields or Michael Penix at eight? And he says, I'd rather have Fields. Then he talks about other things they could draft at eight. You know, if they kept Fields. And then by the end, he's saying, well, yeah, I guess I am saying it. And he just kind of blurts it out there. It sounded sloppy in that way to me. I agree. You're kind of a wackadoodle. I don't know where you're going. Agreed, Mitch. I yes. don't Listen, I don't think he's worth that. I don't think anyone in the NFL thinks he's worth no, it. No, I don't think so. But is it possible he's worth So, like, one of the old, uh, you know, conventional wisdoms is if it's a future pick, it's like a, it's worth a round less than a present day pick, so a future second, like a twenty twenty five second, would be worth a twenty twenty four third, because the third round pick this year helps you win now. Uh -huh. I believe Canada Bill Jones said that, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It just rolls off the tongue. How how I put it up. There. Now some people might look down on Worms mechanics, call it immoral, but as Canada Bill Jones said, it's immoral to let a sucker keep his money. That's right. <laughs> what saying? I don't know. There ought to be one. Thanks, Tanny. Point is this. Uh, future second? Uh, future first? Like, is it, is it at all possible that two teams getting into a bidding war on Justin Fields and say, I'll give you a 2025 first because then I don't know where it is in the draft? Like, would Atlanta say, no, no, no. We get Fields this year. We get the eighth overall pick this year. Now we think our team is pretty good in a bad uh, NFC South. We will give you our 2025 first, 
because we will have our quarterback and we don't need it. I don't think there's a chance in hell you get one this year. I think there's like a 10 or 20% chance you could get one next year for him. I guess it's possible, um, but, you know, I haven't even let myself consider that. I've only been thinking about value for this draft because the Bears have needs still. Yeah. And you, you have needs and you're ramping up, so the idea would be to turn that asset into something you can use immediately if you're not going to use it. Uh, on fields the player turn it into a two or turn it into two threes or a two and a four or whatever the hell you can possibly get from it and then give those those picks to Caleb Williams or give those picks to Matt Eberflus's defense yep I mean but they always trade for future picks the the Panthers trade doesn't even fully vest until next year's draft yeah you know yeah. it's it's always a thing that you need to consider. And I've seen a ton of people on the internet say like, hey, Sam Darnold was traded for a second, a fourth, and a sixth, and Fields is better than Darnold. Yeah, mm. but that was the Panthers. Like that that that's that's what seemingly one of the worst organizations we've seen in the NFL. The Panthers had Baker Mayfield on their scout team D line last year. <laughs> yeah. It's the Panthers. Yeah, I, it, it's it's not a great precedent for how the rest of the league is hey, gonna do business. I'm glad you mentioned Baker Mayfield. That dude balling. Balling out. Balling out. Oh, my God. There's so much to take away from that Eagles-Bucks game. There's there's a bunch of things to take away from that. But good for Baker Mayfield. Did you hear the nugget that Joe Buck gave us last night? I had not heard about this, that Mayfield said he lost his confidence and he regained it during his five games with Sean McVay. Yeah. Because McVay said to him, hey, we're not going anywhere. This Nothing's happening this season. Just ball out, man. Play. Believe in yourself. Have fun. He's like, oh, yeah, that's right. I, I was pretty good one time. I, I was pretty good. Let me go ahead and, and think about it from that perspective. He said that's where he refound it. I and love there that. are a few players that we've seen play the game with more fun, like more passion, right? Yes. Like, like the moxie, swagger, whatever you want to define it as. Yes. And, and, and you, you need that to be the best that you can be when you're Baker Mayfield. That, that was a big part of him doing it, and he lost it completely. So I loved that nugget. We'll get into some of the lessons from that game at 5, and I've got a question about the NFL that I can't stop thinking about, and I truly – and this will shock you. I don't even think I have the answer to it. Sometimes I think I have the answer and it's wrong. This one, I legitimately don't have the answer for it. That's coming up at five. Parkinson Spiegel on the score. The Parkinson Spiegel Show. Parkinson Spiegel. Oh, yeah. Sounds like the law firm you call when you get a parking ticket. <laughs> Afternoons on the score. We never hired anybody unless one of the inner circle personally worked with this guy. We always did everything together and we always were in the same crowd anniversaries, christenings. We only went to each other's houses. The women played cards, and when the kids were born, Mickey and Jimmy were always the first at the hospital. And when we went to the islands of Vegas for vacation, we always went together. No outsiders ever. It got to be normal. Should we cast the mob family? That is Dave Wanstead's inner circle. Oh, let's do it. Mob. I mean, obviously, Jimmy's the boss. Jimmy is the boss, without a doubt. And I think Dave is the consigliere, right? He's the number two. He got the the head coaching jobs, and, and he got the Fox gig. Like, like, he's the guy who is the most in the inner circle. Like, Jimmy loves Dave so much mm-hmm. that he flew from California to L.A. every week for two decades to make two comma money from Fox on TV for a one-day-a-week job. 
and he couldn't do it without his best friend for half the time. So when they added a second pregame show, Dave got on that show so they could have nachos and beer together <laughs> on Saturday night. Wow. I mean, that, that is the greatest, like, homeboy hookup that I have ever heard. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't know if Norv Turner, who got head coaching jobs and a bunch of offensive coordinator jobs. The TV thing, though, man. Yeah, the TV thing's pretty good. Look, <laughs> that, I don't that, know. That, that's like high six-figure income well into your post-coaching career through Jimmy Johnson. Not that Dave I, isn't I, great at it, but again, yeah. Jimmy's the it, king of Fox. I mean, look, look, this is Tanny's wheelhouse for fleshing this out. All I know for sure is that Tony Wise is spider. Right? Well, no, I mean, no. Tony Wise, I think he might be like the enforcer. The enforcer, like, the go, like, the go get stuff done guy. Yeah, exactly. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah we're, we're, really. We're Keep sh- us insulated, Tony. But he's got the he's, he's the one grabbing the beer cans. Oh, that's well, that's the thing that. that had to get done at the time. But back in the day, he uh-huh. was the guy that was like, "Hey, go pick up the envelope, but don't don't open it." Yeah, but Tony's uh, <laughs> Tony's also the guy like running into the room when it's time to evaluate an offensive lineman. He's got a sandwich in his mouth, like he's just flailing. Bobby Bacala. That's what no, he is. I, I feel like that's Troy Aikman, like the guy who stays quiet. Like, you know he's there, but he's quiet in the background mm. playing with his trains. Mm. But all the muscles, though, like Paulie Gaultieri yeah. with, the, with the biceps. Got yeah, some, he's, he's like, got he's like Aikman the, in him. he's the matinee idol quarterback. He's in some ways, he's the Broadway singer. You know, he's Johnny Fontaine. Oh, but he's, in, but he's, much, he's much younger than everybody. He's going to bring this family into the 21st century. Yes, Maybe exactly. he's Chrissy Moltisante. <laughs> It's interesting without the drug problem. Yeah, he's kind of like always spider. making sure things are okay with Tony, with Dave. Like he's just always making sure, hey, we're good, we're good, right, Tone? Yeah, we're good, right, Tone? And they have a lawyer. Like Dave always mentions the lawyer. Yeah, that's on, that's on this trip. Like the the anonymous lawyer uh-huh. that just hangs out with all of them. So that's that's the mob lawyer. And then there's the 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 Cowboys PR guy who <laughs> nobody wants to mention that guy. Yeah, thank you for mentioning it. <laughs> yeah, so why did you? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Come on, Shane. What are you doing? Uh, what are you doing? Have, we not, have you not met me? Come uh, on, man. Yeah, that. So that guy's not cast in, no. the, in, the, in the movie. Uh, Alan Williams could play him. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I like how Shane gets offended. Oh, of course. I didn't get offended. By I was what just, Speaks does, just, and then one ups it with the perfect yes and. Yeah, so you know, we let's really work on the structure here. So obviously Jimmy's the boss. Yep. But he's gotta be insulated, so you need a street boss. When when you said Wani, I thought street boss, because he's the one, you know, out there, like he's the the buffer. He's the one probably getting the call when the defensive guys are having some problems. Yep. You know, he's gotta go out there and set things straight. But also he is the idea man. He is the guy that Jimmy bounces, you know, Herschel Walker trade. Wani, yeah. so that's a perfect consigliere right there. I think I think he's the consigliere man so I mean, they, who are the capos who are the captains then so right so north turner a captain no, north north turner's a captain butch davis butch davis got go. a job yeah, yep. every one of those places oh that's um, a great yeah butch davis is absolutely a captain i mean that guy miami he was yes. there for, he was there for the u and then he got jobs on it for 25 years exactly yeah exactly. you're right yeah that's perfect um, Bill yeah. Cowher's got to be something, right? Like his childhood buddy. That's like Johnny Sack. Yeah, but, so see, that's like, why he's in the other family. Yeah, he's like yeah the Johnny other Sack. Yeah. But like, where's Jerry Jones in this? Like, you know, is Jerry Jones is 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 a rival, but he's also part of the family. And then, but he so kind of like, yeah, but he kind of made it all happen, right? Uh, so yeah, so he's like Dickie Moltisante. Like he's like, he's like the previous generation. Who kind of like paved the way for these guys to even have a career in the life? Uh-huh. 
Yeah, but Cower is perfect for the other family because like, he that yeah. he has tw- twenty years of money at, at CBS. Jimmy has twenty years of money at Jerry Fox. Jerry just might be the Barone sanitation guy. Like, he's like, <laughs> it's where the money and the W twos come from. Yeah, that's so right. He, he's the money man. That's perfect. Ricky Williams is in there somewhere. Oh, that's interesting. Like the um, hmm. Hmm. run Ricky. Up Who's the Whitey? Line. Who's Whitey? <laughs> there you go. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Or the, the other guy the that comes guy. and sits here and puts his headphones on up inside out. What, yeah, what? Whitey. Well, I don't even know if there's anybody as cool as Whitey in the uh, in the mob movie universe or the mob TV universe. I'm just doing Soprano, Artie Bucco. Like, his friend who's, like, he's definitely, like, made money off of Dave. He's definitely made money off of Tony Soprano, but he's not really in the game, but he does things that are game-adjacent. I don't know if Wani's, uh, you know, abusing any of Whitey's privileges, though. <laughs> the things that Whitey's got going on over there in well, Pittsburgh. That's yeah, right. But, but, no, but, there's things, but he, li- he lives with the, the guy down in Naples. Who's the guy? Um, the oh, b- yeah. big... He calls him Big Dave or Big. Is that the guy that was here, Shane? That yeah, you big, yeah. Yeah, yeah, big Dave. to put his headphones on inside. Like out. D- Dave just like goes and stays at his house in Naples because yeah. his house yeah. is flooded. It's like, a, oh, so I just go to Big Dave's. Well, I mean, Wani can use Whitey's uh, resources at the park district in Pittsburgh when he needs like a shed to bring someone. He calls okay. up Whitey. Whitey comes and picks him up in the Pittsburgh Park District pickup truck, and they go off to a shed. So that's Davey, the guy at the sporting goods store that they bankrupted in the Sopranos. Oh, God. Good job. I like that the texters are saying that Jerry Jones is Uncle Junior. Like, he deserves the respect, and he once was the boss. Oh, yeah. But everybody knows he's losing it, but you don't don't want to upset him. That's a really good call. I think that's a really good call. Okay. We've accomplished something here today. Don't let anybody tell you any differently. Uh, the ratings book started, right? I think so. This, okay, this, good. This good. Is, yeah, exactly. Good. Exactly. Good. This is our best work here. This is our best work. Uh, the weekend in the NFL has me asking a question that there's a lesson in here somewhere, and I just don't know what it is. It's next on the score.